to All's Fair in Love and Film, a film review podcast where we go through our DVD collection one by one in alphabetical order and review each film on our shelf. I'm Laura. And I'm Ryan. And this week we'll be discussing A Knight's Tale, directed by Brian Helgland. Uh, Ryan, what is your history with this film? Oh man, I, I definitely saw this film in my early teens with a bunch of my friends. Like I, I don't remember exactly how old I was but yeah it, it I remember it making a really big impact just with its overall soundtrack and kind of aesthetic but yeah it's yeah. one that like you know it's been in your personal zeitgeist for like for as long as you can remember right absolutely yeah I, I oh god it's it, it's one that I keep on coming back to as well like I, I watch it I've watched it a lot of times since then so it kind of all blurs into how many times like how many times exactly i've seen it and how many how early i saw it you know yeah for sure i mean um i think i saw it at like a similar age I, de- I was definitely in high school so i was over 11 and my history teacher used to put it on whenever we had like a um you know a dos lesson right before summer break and stuff like that and that was kind of when i first saw it and again i can't remember how often or when i saw it in the intervening years but i know it's one i've seen a lot and um in terms of you know me and you it is one of our go-to we don't know what to watch so let's either put on the princess bride chef or a knight's tale right yeah definitely those are our 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 staples of our uh film film diet if you will yeah not necessarily like masterpieces not necessarily even our favorites but definitely our high up just easy watching easy watching really really like chill like you you can be immersed but you don't need to really really worry too much i just keep going back to them and i never get bored of of these films and this one is is no exception it's i would argue a fairly simple plot you know it follows that classic hero's journey uh like normal guy has a big dream engages in some adventure and some deception to kind of follow it but you know like he's the kind of white knight he's in the right even though he's technically doing something wrong and at the end he gets the girl he like his secret is revealed but it's it's fine because he's a good person and voila you know roll credits yeah it's it's very archetypal in a lot of ways and that makes it kind of like really rewarding in as a as a viewer yeah i mean the hero's journey is the reason it's such a kind of uh, a structure you see repeated time and time again in so many different forms of of film and books and every type of media the reason that structure is so successful is because it's satisfying to absorb it as as like a viewer or a reader or any any way you get the payoff at the end that you want and all of the like characters that you're taught to love throughout this story um come to a like a really nice kind of satisfying conclusion and it's, this film is no exception to that it's yeah not the maybe not a cinematic masterpiece it's not you know it's a bit like i say a very simple plot structure but it is very satisfying to watch yeah absolutely yeah uh i mean like throughout the film i did notice that there were definitely like five distinct parts of the story which was like you know um yeah there's five distinct parts of the story you've got the you know death of of uh sir Ulrich. no 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 uh sir Hector. Hector. Sir Hector. yeah sir, <laughs> sir Hector. um and that kind of like that's the impetus for you know uh will taking taking initiative and actually going forward and and you know just seizing the moment you've then after that you've got 
um him the his rise to uh, rise to to stardom you've got his cementing as the best his being torn down and by far his again his 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 building back up again and an overall victory like there that's kind of the way i saw this film from a analytical standpoint and i kind of want like i definitely want to touch at least on a few scenes in each one of those main parts oh yeah for sure and um from where i was like saying i think what sets this film despite it's like kind of very rote kind of plot apart and makes it this kind of almost a cult classic but also just a popular film generally um it it's the fact that the characters are established very early on each one of them is distinct all of them have like a role to play and they're not you know they play into some kind of stereotypes and archetypes that you see in other films but they are very distinct unique characters you know from the first line they say what they're about who they are and the fact that you're gonna just enjoy watching them in this kind of thing i think this is definitely a story driven by its characters oh absolutely and i mean also by its cast like the the sheer fact it's got such a all all star really really good strong cast is like it can't be overstated really yeah like, i kind of couldn't agree with you more everybody performs so well i mean you've got um it's mark addy alan tudyk and heath ledger in your kind of top three roles and, and Ruf- rufus Sewell. Oh, rufus sewell the eternal villain yeah i would love to see a list of films where he doesn't well like compare a list of films where he plays the villain with a list where he doesn't because let me tell you one is substantially longer than the other <laughs> i'm pretty sure he gets cat he gets typecast just because of his eye i do think that might be part of it but also he's got that very like you know that posh accent that people associate with this kind of villainous you know i'm better than everybody else sort of thing and oh he he leans into it in this film and it's it's so good it's so good like you're just like i love the i love this film it just makes me it's like i said really satisfying watch because you've got this golden boy kind of diamond in the rough that you're really rooting for set up against this guy who is you know nothing but a bad person he's not there's no gray area around that at all you've got like the representative of the light and the representative of the dark and light prevails at the end and it's you know it's just satisfying Um, i mean (laughs) the other aspect of like from an as uh, as an overview the film was really really well done from a production standpoint and the and the fact of i mean just bringing in the music that they did as well just really highlighted all of these like really like i would say very modern camera angles that you mainly associate with very modern action films or very modern you know fight uh, like combat films you've got you've got all those in this kind of really medieval kind of setting and it just absolutely like it, it really really makes something that like we see is kind of intangible and it really makes it really really accessible to the wider viewer yeah i really enjoy that because obviously i'm not like massively um as you know kind of connected to the ca- camera aspects as as you are and i don't notice the things like that like you do but one thing i would notice obviously the most obvious modern drawing of this film is the music but when you what you say about camera angles, a lot of the jousting scenes where they've kind of like got the camera down low on like the horse's kind of shoulder, 
reminded me of Fast and the Furious. Yeah, a bit. That, 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 that's, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Low down on the kind of wing of the car sort of thing. But in this case, they're obviously up against a horse. Yeah, and... the, yeah the, the, those point of view camera angles are really, really well used in this film. And they're they're used in it like, and not just jousting. And it's, it's, yeah. it's just really, really really well thought out like the cinematographer for this film should be fucking applauded like (laughs) really 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 good yeah Um, and it's like i said i hadn't again after you mentioned that it does like bring to mind oh yeah they've used they've filmed a medieval film like a modern action film but to go back to the modern music they kick off this movie with queen's we will rock you and it's um what's that called when it's part of the soundtrack but also people in the shot are like performing it i don't actually know there is a term for it i was reading up on it the other day and i've completely forgotten what it what it is but we open to this everyone is kind of like it's like watching a modern sporting event everyone in the stands is chanting you've got the actual song as the soundtrack and the this opening scene is just like you are here to have fun. This film is going to make you have well, fun. <laughs> and, and, and it does also kind of aid in that tangibility to the wider viewer. It, there's aspects where you could see uh, like that the a modern a modern person can be like, oh, I would have done that because, you know, I go to sporting events. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones that's just like, oh, yeah, you know, this film isn't. 100% historically accurate, aside from, not you know, close. not even not even counting all of the direct like modern kind of pull ins. But it still does that thing of like a casual viewer can look at it and be like, oh, medieval people were people too, which is kind of yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it doesn't just show the, you know, the shit being thrown on the streets. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's very, very, it's it draws the modern viewer in. I mean, I also think that the first scene, you know, uh, let's, I feel like we should probably move on to it yeah. up by scene by scene. Yeah, for sure. Um, the first, you know, overall portion of the death of sir ector you are immediately shown that this is a comedy that this is yeah. going like it, you it kind of sets the heath uh like the role of heath ledger is kind of like one and willing to take risks and also what the hell is going on with heath ledger's hair why he's the only one that looks kind of like greasy and grody <laughs> meanwhile <laughs> mark addy and alan tudyk are like they look the same throughout the whole entire thing. They look well kempt, but for some fucking reason, he's just like <laughs> Heath Ledger's just like, eh, fuck it, I don't give a look shit. Like a dirty hippie. Um, that was actually my first note. Was um, Heath Ledger with dreadlocks? It's pretty hot. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, why did why did they have to do it with the dreadlocks? I just don't understand. Was this like also? This is the second film in four episodes that has featured Heath Ledger. Is is this in reference to Heath, Heath uh, the dreadlock Rastas, the white dreadlock Rastas in the first one? I sincerely doubt it. This is just, um, I'm lying that it's alphabetical order. I'm secretly trying to make this just into a Heath Ledger fan cast because he's fantastic in this movie. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm not. We are actually doing this in alphabetical order. <laughs> But yeah, so we're introduced to our kind of three main characters. They're like, Liege Lord is dead. Um, and you're very quickly introduced to, you know, exactly whose people are. Like, you're introduced to Watt's temper and his um, massive food motivation. He's food motivated all the way through this film. And that's just a kind of running joke that is absolutely brilliant. And then Mark Addy is the kind of medium. He's comedic, but also he's, you know, more serious than what. And then there's Will, who is... They they do this quite well as well. They differentiate it with the language. Like Will uses this very flowery kind of 
very you know kind of high poetic medieval like language um he's talking about kind of um stars and glory and all this and you know mark addy and um alan tudyk both very common yeah much more grounded language so you've kind of got these three stages of seriousness where you've got what is this purely comedic and then you've got uh mark addy is this grounded but still fairly funny character then you've got will as this kind of head in the clouds um you know very flowery takes everything very seriously kind of character well i mean alan tudyk and and mark addy are very much anchor characters yeah and like pretty much i on a slight tangent I would say that there's more character exposition in in this once in this first scene than there is like in so many other films that like yeah. it, it, that is really masterfully done. Yeah, and, they uh, are people. They are not set dressing or plot points. They are just these characters, you know, and it's and they're actually all given individual motivations. You get a little bit of backstory in kind of all of them and it's like it's like I said earlier on that you are set up from the start knowing exactly who these people are and it, rooting for them very like straight away it, it's very much an ensemble on uh, sorry an ensemble cast rather than just a one i mean uh, while well, arguably you could say that the film revolves around will but it is very much a overall cast that kind of like makes up the like it that drives the drives the plot rather than just a single single uh, than just will and yeah Oh, for sure, for sure. And this is just our kind of three, like, principal characters. We obviously get introduced to um, some supplementary characters later on who also do an excellent job in being, you know, a driving part of this film. But um, before we kind of meet those people, I do want to stop at... This film has so many montages. Yeah, yeah. So many montages. And right after the kind of Will's victory and getting his trophy and then they sell it and then they decide they're going to go and just be... Uh, they're going to win at jousting and he's going to pretend to be a knight and they make this plan. There's a montage of Will training. And again, it's just, it's, there's not a lot of kind of dialogue throughout it, but you get the personality of every character so, so strongly throughout. And it's just, I don't know exactly what I think about montages. I don't know if it's kind of, they've now become such like a trope that they're just used to be like, it's, it's this kind of self-aware, haha, we're doing a montage thing. Whereas at this point in kind of film history, this was um, 2001, it's still like montage is a sort of, you know, an accepted serious part of a film. And I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, montages can be done tastefully. I do have to say that in this film, like they were done pretty tastefully and like... Oh yeah, no like, doubt. Like, but I will say, montages have been overused and kind of used in such a bad way over the past like fifteen years. Yeah, that I, 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 I would say it's kind of ruined them to for the like in the general zeitgeist. Yeah, I think um, that's kind of what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah. Like, this film was at a point where like montages were were kind of good and yeah. they did them fairly well. But it's just ever, yeah. like since then it's been like so many montages and now montages are like a joke in and of themselves yeah. but this film has about four separate montages yeah I, I will say um in this montage i have to say how the hell are they starving to death all the time but they're so good at doing like basic engineering principles like like uh the the they've kind of engineered a, it's, a ro- ro- what, what? it's called a quintain uh, yeah that thing the fact that they're able to engineer that and engineer a um like and like make and create like extra uh, jousting poles yeah. and stuff like that for him, 
Like, the fact that they were able to do that, but they're star- starving, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. Yeah, so they've, they've done all this kind of engineering. There's this training montage. There's a few, like, jokes in there. There's a part where they, like, are finding it hilarious that Will's nearly drowned. And then this training montage comes to an end. They've cut off his dreadlocks, shaved his beard. Though, I will say, they haven't taught him how to brush his hair. It still looks atrocious. Um, and then they're riding down the road. They meet Paul Bettany's character. The introduction of that character is fantastic. He's Stark just this- naked. <laughs> Butt naked, just walking down the road, very polite, very kind of, you know, posh voice. And it just straight away, you know, you know, something has gone wrong to like put him in this position. So he's obviously, you know, not doing particularly well, but he's confident, intelligent, sarcastic fun- and funny all in just like within a minute of being introduced to this character. And like, this, this is what I mean when I say this film is so good at making characters and having a purely character-driven story um, because within seconds you're just like I know I'm gonna like this character he's gonna have a place in this plot and it's yeah and again the casting doesn't hurt that either Paul Bettany is fantastic yeah he's a really really good character actor like I I really really love his kind of oh, like all the j- jives he gets in at um Will and yep. the <laughs> And they'll lead up to like, oh, I'm Richard the Lionheart. Plays to me. Yeah. And then yeah. just kind of starts <laughs> fucking off. And then Will just fucking brandishes a knife, which was really, really like kind of joker-esque the way that uh, Heath Ledger held the knife, which yeah. is another kind of like, okay, kind of, again, foreshadowing for a future character for um, for for Heath Ledger. Yeah. I would say all of the characters in this film use their physicality in a different way. Obviously, Alan Tudyk is fantastic at this kind of physical, almost slapstick style of of comedy and then um mark Addy's very good at using his kind of broadness and size to communicate what his character is kind of the mood of his character really well and then obviously heath ledger very very like high amount of physicality in this film with all the jousting and and fencing and exercising he's doing and he's got a very unique style of movement as you said which does uh we go on about heath ledger's joker a lot and we have we did it in our 10 things i hate about you episode but and we will get to that film at some point um, but I think both of us agree that that is probably his best role for us and one of the films we enjoy him the most in. And it is really interesting going back into his kind of back catalogue of films and seeing the kind of this unique style of movement in this very physical, these very physical roles he plays take shape. Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, um, also landing to that physicality, Paul Bettany, like when he enters the ring and stuff like that, like like the way he uses his hands and the way he uses like his arms to kind of like it's very kind of circus-esque or kind of kind of mime mime it's it's got some mime mimey aspects if that's a word um (laughs) and like that works like sorry theatricality there we go a little bit more theatricality than you'd expect from a character in this time period i guess and 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 that's what really really made it really cool not exactly i mean in the in the roman period there were like prescribed gestures and things that lawyers orators and senators would use to and it's it's been a thing throughout history fair enough that if you're an orator or a speaker you'd move in these ways but i mean that has less of a you know you don't see politicians necessarily doing that nowadays so as a modern actor kind of perfecting that style and and introducing it into in this kind of flawless, he's giving this grand speech and he's doing all this. I, I love Paul Bettany's speeches in this film. Yeah. He's so good. They're so good. And he, like, as you say, he does all this kind of very physical kind of 
attention grabbing and it just it just makes it this whole it's a beautiful thing to watch it's so funny but so engaging and it tells yeah. the story so well yeah i, I definitely agree with that um, yeah um but yeah so they ride up into the city he joins the jousting tournament and we very quickly meet the uh lady who will be the romantic interest for the film and we have it's almost a montage it's almost. It's not quite a montage. It's a more like a sequence, but it's almost a montage of him following her through the streets of the city to the cathedral. Technically, it would be a montage. Is it technically a yeah. montage? From from a uh, it it shows the it a montage from a cam uh, from a filmmaker's perspective, just as to show a slight passage of time using uh, various camera angles. So yep. I would so say that, that we're that on montage two, people. Yeah. <laughs> montage two of the film and um this is another kind of example of um one a, a more serious kind of less comedic character in this comedy using this flowery language so um the lady whose name escapes jocelyn. me jocelyn yes also, also uses a similar style of flowery language to will as does rufus sewell's villain character later on i, I will say like uh the introduction of jocelyn is very like is very cool and the fact that they like they used the color of her dress white to indicate that she was a pure or kind of yeah. like she is kind of the object of his desire just because she stands out so much yeah. amongst like every other color that is around her well, it's just very really like like uh like earthy tones that are all around yeah. her and then she stands out like a sore fucking thumb yeah, well, it's not just that. It's also the earthy tones because everything around her is dirty. But until you see like the hem of her dress, which has picked up some dirt, she is this clean white figure. It's clearly like, oh, she doesn't belong here. She's kind of, she's dressed in this white robe. So it's kind of got that angelic sort of overtone to it. And she stands out because everything else around her is like the, the, the pathway is muddy. The walls are wooden and stone. All the people are kind of dressed in brown and they're dirty. And she's just a very clean kind of character. And it's like, it, it's really, yes, okay, it's another montage, but it's, you that use of colour is kind of, it, it really draws you in and I really like it. Um, I do want to just talk about Jocelyn for a hot second because a lot during this film, she really, yeah, okay, she is reduced just to the role of the love interest, but she really advocates for herself at a time when the church is quite a high authority and she's in these, you know, very religious houses and she's told to shush and she's kind of patronized for being female. Um, May your beauty fade. Yeah, that guy with the the priest and everything saying all this stuff to her and she isn't at this point necessarily like aggressive or anything but she uses kind of humor and like just her kind of just she's just very you know charming and she just uses that to kind of deflect and like be like no you can't be this way to me just because I'm female I'm going to put you in your place by either like embarrassing you or shouting at you or something and she does that like really successfully I'm um I'm a fan of Jocelyn I do like Jocelyn yeah um shall we move on to the next kind of general like general scene like with the, like hit the fact that it is will's first tourney yeah i mean we've already talked about chaucer's uh like big speech and all of his kind of theatrics yeah there. but there's one little bit like especially like when he gets to uh when will wins the his first like sword tournament one and then fucking chaucer just proses like um like goes all out and <laughs> nobody gets it and, um, er, and, and, and mark Addy's like 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like. And the everyone just get a laugh yeah. out of me. And everyone just fucking loses their shit. It yeah, he has to like fake a cheer to start <laughs> it off so everyone will join in because no one knows he's using all this kind of very kind of colourful language and just no one knows what he's talking about and no one's ever seen him before. Yeah. And then right after that, we get Will's winning montage. Yeah. Third montage of the film, everybody. We get the victory montage. Montage. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I like. I love the fact that um, they, in this film, in this portion of the film, they kind of uh, start showing a lot of the different types of armor that were at, like are semi historical, historically accurate. Some of like some of the armor is a bit ahead of it, ahead of its time. Like it would have been some of the armor that they were using um, for the, like the sword fights would have actually been used for jousting. And vice yeah. versa. And it would have been used in, like, the 16th century, not the, like, 15th century, like, mm. we're seeing it. So, like, th- there's a few things that are kind of, like, nitpicky. Yeah. But, like, it, it is kind of cool that there is some historical accuracy in that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this weird balance where at points it's just like, yeah, we're going to have the whole crowd singing We Will Rock You. We clearly don't give a monkeys about historical accuracy. And then there are points where it's like, oh, no, our costumes are going to be correct apart from the fact that jocelyn's outfits throughout apart from the you know the white one in her introduction scene it's like she's at a day at the races in 2005 and everyone else is in medieval times it's very very strange for me yeah it <laughs> I, I do think they kind of made her a little bit too flourishy in some regards yeah, but it's like she's got like purple streaks in her hair and things like this and i'm just like you've made her into a punk <laughs> a, a, a bit yeah i mean while we're kind of on the kind of the general aesthetics like i will say that the overall set design and the overall like like a uh, costuming and stuff like that really draws you in but it isn't too distracting and that's kind of really impressive for a a a film that's kind of set in the medieval period because normally they make it either far too grimy or far too um far too clean and proper mm. like i would say that you know um game of thrones is is definitely one of those uh, makes that, it far that too grimy makes well makes it far too grimy in some episodes and then makes it far too proper and far too clean in in others it, it's i mean I can see the face you're making at me, and you're like, "No, it's not actually." Uh, like, there are definitely episodes, especially the episodes when it when you get with the Tyrells, that they're just a little bit too prim and proper, you know. That is a cinematic choice, though. Yes, I, I understand that's a cinematic and choice, but I I, w- I would say that this this film, uh, you know, treads the line really, really well. Where everybody, like, it's not like you're not distracted by what they're wearing, but you're yeah. still you're still kind of brought into the world without actually, like... Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that to a point, because I... For me, costuming is not a strong part of this movie. It's not. The armour is great. I mean, there's the... Um, the Royal Armouries Museum in Leeds has a lot of examples of jousting armour and stuff, and you can see they've, you know, they've done their research as far as the armour and everything goes. But, I mean, shows like Game of Thrones have won awards for their costumes, and... I don't think you can say this film does a better job. Um, uh, I, I must say, I must you're say saying it, it's like, less distracting. I do yeah, understand yes. that. But what I think this film does well in terms of the... I will agree. You're not... There's not so many, you know, big Elizabethan ruffles or anything crazy like that. You're looking at very... You know, they've kept a lot of the clothes very simple. And what I like is whenever they're doing a kind of big character-driven, you know... Um, one note I made is that the male relationships in this film are really positive. They don't have any like qualms about, you know, hugging each other and and 
speaking about their feelings and taking the mech out of each other there it's it's this really kind of healthy you know friendship that's shown and like they can get annoyed with each other there's there's no just like oh we're all men in a space together so we're going to be mad at each other it's this very very healthy like friendship group that they've got going and whenever they do these scenes that's like the three of them and maybe Chaucer talking they're all wearing just these plain kind of linen clothes and it's just these kind of it's just these characters yeah. it's again this very character driven yeah very good tunics and yeah you know, which yeah. i really like yeah it, it's 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 not based on the world where they're in it like the world where they're in is just kind of a supplement to the story you know yeah um it's around this point in the story we do get introduced to our like what i'd say our kind of final main character is um you get obviously your main villain and rufus still being introduced at the kind of jousting tournament but slightly before that will's armor gets cracked so you meet the blacksmith who eventually kind of joins their retinue and 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 follows them for the rest of their tour and i think she's great again it's this really is this really good you've got jocelyn set up straight away as this romantic interest and which you know it kind of reduces her to nothing but this you know a prize for will to win at the end of the movie but i mean she's still she's got a lot of good points for her you know that aside but the blacksmith for the rest of the film she's great and she's like their relationship to her is really great she's their friend there's nobody who's like you know pursuing her romantically and she's not pursuing anyone she's just one of their like groups she's one of their mates she jokes with them she goes and drinks with them she's you know proved to be very capable and at a traditionally male kind of job but right at the start when they first meet her they go to all these male blacksmiths and they try to convince them to fix the armor for free and they'll be paid later he goes to her she says straight away i'm not going to do it for free and you know defends herself in that but i do hate the choice that the scriptwriters have made here that will's first thing he does rather than accepting defeat like he did with all these male blacksmiths he starts to like manipulate her and lie and be like oh they all said you couldn't do it because you're a woman and, and then she's like oh no it's not that. and then he's like oh no it's not because you're a woman they just said you're crap at it and it's like nobody said that and so his first recourse when he's talking to a female blacksmith is to use this kind of manipulation technique whereas he didn't even try that with any of the male blacksmiths so i'm just like could they have just thought of some other way of getting that i mean round? that might have been the last person that he had he had run into and it was just like a fuck you know? Yeah, I think I think yeah. that is the case, but it's still yeah. just yeah, frustrating. But, yeah, I, I I get that. Um, do you mind if we moved on to the next kind of next uh, uh scene, the banquet? Um, can we just do a quick stop off at Adamar and Ulrich's first joust yeah. against each yeah. other? The filming techniques and angles and everything are lifted straight from like an old western. Oh 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 out. yeah yeah I was gonna say Incredible. the the, the jib shot like where they kind of like raise up really high like when Adamar's looking up at his lance like really angry that he's he's losing that is very much a um a a quintessential camera movement just to kind of show the rise in tension and uh, like that is really really good well it's not just that it's like you know you've got the kind of the shots of the eyes the shots of the horse's hooves like scuffing in the sand you've got the shots of like them holding their weapons yeah, and readying yeah. themselves and these very close up kind of slightly slower like cowboy so shots can, yeah these very western and I, I really really enjoyed that this this film brings in like a lot of it borrows from almost every genre, but keeps it in this kind of medieval setting, and I, I just think it does that really, really well. Yeah. But yeah, let's um, let's talk about the ball. <laughs> yeah, um, the costuming in that scene is really, really good. 
um the overall set design is absolutely stunning and the fact like um i love this scene because it is very very immersive just try it's more focused on trying to get you to see the environment around than just the characters and that's really really good but there were a few fuck-ups in that uh you could definitely see some of the extras with tennis shoes on. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, I mean, it happens, but... Yeah, I, I, I do enjoy the ball scene. It's also the, the, like, the kind of lead-up scenes that are like, quite cute. I mean, again, you kind of get more of the like blacksmith. Her name's Kate, by the way. Um, her personality kind of comes through a bit more. It's like she's got this kind of very stereotypically masculine job, but she still is very feminine and like can teach them to dance. And Heath Ledger does this fantastic, like embarrassed kind of young lad, doesn't know how to dance kind of bit. And I really like that. And um, I, again, I said this film borrows from a lot of genres. The ball to me is your American high school comedy Oh yeah. Um because you know you've got the you've got the bad guy who's like going to try and embarrass the person at the ball and like make them look stupid in front of their crush and Yeah, I didn't think about that. And then it works. <laughs> and then it comes into this like you've got this dance number where everyone miraculously That's knows all the do. moves which is like straight out of Greece or something and yeah, it, it's it's a very enjoyable scene and it sets up Will to be much more likable. It cements kind of Will and Jocelyn's relationship and makes Adamar look even stupider because then he does again the high school villain stereotypical storm out yeah Yeah. exactly well and and also in 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 that scene in that dance scene more tennis shoes (laughs) so it's just like uh, yeah my my notes were like oop editing error um yeah that's funny i mean yeah the the scene straight before and like kind of into the into the ball scene and everything it just cements these kind of friendships and relationships in a really positive manner that all these kind of characters are building throughout this film and it just like again it makes you root for them as individuals and as a group. It's like, because they, cause, you know, advocate for each other and, and you know, they gel together really well and their their relationships just, I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, kind of moving on to the po- like kind of post-banquet. Uh, like, I love the, the, the shots, the working shots of um, uh, Kate uh, making the armor and stuff like that and I yeah. love the fact that she puts a Nike symbol on there kind of make it. it a bit more yeah. tangible for our viewers you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like medieval sporting equipment yeah guys. pretty much and it, it shows that she's you know really really radical yeah. and I, I love the testing scene where he's like I'm gonna die <laughs> he's like oh shit I'm, I'm, I didn't I'm feel fine. a thing yeah, yeah. And then, no, and then that. everyone laughing at, at, laughing at him as he's going up to get on the horse and he gets on the, on the horse and everyone's like Oh fuck! This guy's a, yeah. <laughs> like this guy's ballsy. Yeah, and then obviously that ne- the next part is where he's um gonna joust with the uh the Black Prince, who's played by James Purefoy, who is again yeah. exceptional actor, brilliant casting for this film. Um, and I was like, oh come on, you've got to let James Purefoy joust, and no one wants to joust with him, but they will joust with him, and it's again another thing that like cements Will as this kind of amazing character who's good at reading people, who just wants everybody to. You yeah. know, get what they want, and everyone to follow their dreams in the way that he is. Yeah, I mean, like at this point, um, the, I mean, Will and Jocelyn have kind of ha- like had a little bit of a tiff. Oh I yeah, think. it's yeah. like yeah. he just takes his male testosterone anger out on the love interest who's done nothing to deserve it. But I will yeah. say, she's 
She doesn't just, you know, go off and flounce away and cry. She's on it with comeback. She's advocating for herself still. She's like, yeah. no, you're a child. Like, yeah. I'll let you have this tantrum. But, but like, after that, he writes her a letter. And he's he, they're kind of, like, crowdsourcing it, the letter. Yeah. <laughs> again, a lovely, like, relationship-building scene between the group of friends. Yeah. And it, it shows you a bit, again, this is where we get a bit of their backstory and a and bit of their kind of... Comedy. Yeah, a bit of comedy, yeah. a bit of their relationship to, like, love. Because love is, you know, a very strong theme in this film. And... But I I will have to note that love letter actually did not contain an apology, which no, it should have no, done. No, it should have. But I I do lo- I think a lot of some of the best like comedic lines in the whole fucking film were during that like that crowdsourced letter thing. Like like tell tell her you tell her you miss her uh, a certain aspect of her. <laughs> I miss her breasts. No, yeah, I'm thinking a, a bit hi- a little higher up. Her throat? Like, that <laughs> That one, I lose my shit every yeah, fucking time. Well, uh, like, I mean, Heath Ledger plays Will's cluelessness so well at points in this film. And he's just like, yeah, he's a fantastic jouster, but he's terrible at women. And he plays that really, really well. I mean, it, it, it just, you know, cements the fact that he's still fairly young and he's still learning. and Slightly innocent. Yeah, it, I just it's very, very sweet. And during all of this kind of stuff we get so adamar the the villain played by rufus sewell has been sent back to actually fight in an actual war and what i find hilarious is he's standing in an actual battle encampment in the middle of an actual war and he is still pissed off about the jousting he still gets the jousting results delivered to him and is annoyed about it and i'm just like dude you're in a war be in the war who cares about the jousting (laughs) <laughs> but he wants the glory yeah because it's pretty much a high, i'm starting to realize this is just a high school drama in the middle ages yeah fully, yeah fully. yeah which you know actually makes sense um the betting scene was pretty good oh i love it i like, love it it's so funny again it's like kate is fully part of the group she's like drinking with them in the tavern it's Will's very off british being serious somewhere else yeah you get a very brits abroad yeah. vibe from it yeah yeah we're chanting and they're making this bet and how they convince you know the more serious character they convince um mark addy's character to join in the bet he's just like the pope may be french but jesus is english <laughs> it's like oh my god gets yeah. a laugh out of me every time you know i also just noticed uh mark addy went from a squire to the king of westeros and span about 10 years that is quite the quite the promotion yeah. <laughs> very yeah. good just thought about that um yeah, yeah no i i really i i do like enjoy that bit and they're all kind of you get you get the kind of them and their downtime. There's a lot of this kind of seriousness coming up. We, we're going into the kind of final act of the film at this point and um, it's, it's going to get more serious. So you get this last kind of few moments of just a purely comedic scene. And also you're seeing that these friendships are cemented. You're seeing that, you know, their success is denoted by their costume as well. Will's right. And you slowly gets better and better clothes throughout. And in this scene, they're all kind of well decked out and they're betting all of their winnings. And then you've got um, the next scene where uh, Will is trying to kind of talk to Jocelyn and he just makes things hell and worse. And this is again yeah. where she is a fantastic, like self advocate. She ch- challenges his chauvinism. She challenges the priest chauvinism and the the, the, the tracking shot uh, in the in the in the church actually really does well to display that because it's it's kind of like um they're like when he's trying to make his point, the camera moves uh kind of towards Jocelyn and stuff like that, and if she's making her point, the camera moves more towards him. So it kind of shows where the agency is at that moment and like that's a really really good like storytelling device with the, like story 
framing device, I guess. Yeah. Which which I thought was really cool. And also, did you notice that he used that he used the holy water as like hand wash? Yeah, he like washes his face in it. It's gross. Um and so they have this fight and she says, No, if you really love me, you'll lose. Which brings us on to montage four. It's a losing montage this time. Oh god. Uh, uh, where you can see all the linguini just being fired well, into yeah. the air. Yeah, so you did some some a little bit of reading on how they actually made these lances. Yeah, right? they pretty much did like large wood like hollow wood lances that were kind of like slotted so that they'd break like with like very very little impact, but they kind of show kind of like a splintery look. They just put lingu- like, like dry linguine of, yeah, in the middle of them, <laughs> and then when they hit, they just like all they the splinters explode. you see is just linguine, and which is fantastic. I will say that based on this film actual real jousting injuries from the medieval period must have been horrible oh absolutely horrific like if you get injured in jousting you are fucking gone i mean henry the eighth had a really bad jousting injury that dogged him for the rest of his life isn't that he? mainly why he had gout like he, no, had, he had gout because he ate loads and drank loads oh. <laughs> he had gout as well he i think he eventually died of gout but he also had this injury yeah um so yeah we go through the losing montage and you've got what kind of slowly losing his temper more and more which is you know this kind of serious like oh it's it's this you've got these beautiful shots of jocelyn who's like thrilled because she's like oh he loves me you've got will sitting there taking an absolute beating um you've got kate standing there just kind of casually catching bits of lance and you've got what kind of like just losing his temper more and more in every shot and like, so you've got this very comedic thread through there which i really enjoy yeah absolutely i mean i, I do love the fact that this was the impetus for four uh like four of them going to the world championships as well it's like yeah. it's like Okay, so it's suddenly the World Cup kind of vibe going on. Oh, like, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's in England as well. So you bring this very kind of like, oh, football is this big thing in England. And you get gets very, very football kind of big football tournament vibe. Yeah, yeah, for this like, jousting like bringing in banners, like face paints and shit. Yeah. Like, also, the like I couldn't tell if that was miniature work that was done, kind of like the shot over London, or if that was actually like... Like CGI, CGI yeah. yeah. I, d- I don't know. I haven't looked into that, to be honest. Either way, it's a very, very cool shot. And then I, you've got this, like, crowds of people lining the streets and then all the retinues coming up. And it's... The, there's music, the crowd is screaming, there's all this colour and kind of... it. It's because everyone there is, like, super amped, but it also serves to get the, the, the viewer amped as well. Like, I'm feeling like yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for, like, a big, big finale kind of thing. It's properly a good very very good setup for yeah. that finale yeah, yeah it, it really is and like there's there's a lot of story exposition at that point as well like like in just just you know, you get a little bit more on uh will's backstory and uh, yeah stuff we get like some that. flashbacks here don't we well, yeah flashbacks uh, yeah yeah this film uses a lot of flashbacks I've, i didn't yeah. really realize that um i will say I'm, I'm a big fan of these ones though because it, again it's like in a lot of these films we get a lot of male protagonists who are like trying to prove something to their dads or trying to like their dad is not like a good person and they have to like live up to this expectation or saying that is a very common theme in a lot of male-led movies especially male-led like kind of medieval setting movies but in this one it's just like no he actually had a very loving father and this really po- again really positive male relationships in this movie love it yeah yeah um so he's got this kind of you know he goes and finds his dad and it's this very touching scene and um they have this kind of reunion 
Um, but Adamar is has followed him. Like I don't no, get no, that. No, he got he got uh, he got kicked off the the front because he was like him and his soldiers, his per- private soldiers were raping and pillaging when they. Oh no, no, yeah. I know that part. Like I mean, I don't mean just followed him to London. Like, but oh, Adamar followed, yeah. is so obsessed with him that he follows him. Like he could have just been going for a walk. He could have been going. You know, he's going to like a cheaper part of London. Maybe he was going to do. You know. He could have been going to do any number of things, but somehow Adamar's like, no, this is how I'm going to get him, and follows him. <laughs> I'm just like, why are you so obsessed with him, Adamar? Get alive. Well, also, like, why do they, Why would they believe his direct competitor about who this person is? He could have also just, like, known this guy from, like, oh, he bought a fishing net from him at one point. It's like, how do... Uh, Cor- correlation causation i don't know but it's, but it's because we're at this point they're making the point of like um it's very obvious when the black prince speaks later when will's in the stocks but um the authority of a nobleman is yeah. not it's 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 you know a nobleman's word is law at this yes, point yes but it's, it's they at this i think they also realize they haven't looked very closely at will's like patents of nobility and stuff which were forged by chaucer yeah. so they're looking to see the patents and stuff and at that point they know the jig is up it's not just like oh his word against wills there is evidence backing it up yeah yeah fair enough but at the same time you know i mean why would you believe him he's clearly a bad guy just look at his face yeah (laughs) yeah pretty much Uh, i mean i i do think that will was an absolute dipshit for not running because it's like i mean i mean it all works out way but But then we don't get a nice film ending ryan yeah but (laughs) any intelligent human being would run that he's not intelligent. This has been established throughout the film. He's not a clever boy. He's a he's a brave boy, but not a clever one. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously he gets found out for being a commoner. There's this very dramatic. They all get together. It's like this kind of slow motion walk to the walk to the lanes, and he's uh, I'm here to compete. And they're like, Well, no, you're going to get arrested. Uh, like and so he does. Well, the, the guy who arrests him looks so 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 much like a character in, in um like. Like he just looks like the stereotypical like rich asshole, you know. It's just like uh, he he looks also like a character in one of uh like the show called The Venture Brothers. Never seen uh, it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, we get so Will's arrested. The Black Prince gets a few. Not the Black Prince. Blah. Adamar gets a few licks in and is like taunting him, beating on him a bit while he's in jail. He's thrown in the stocks. The crowd that were so recently fawning over him is now completely against him but we get this you know the full culmination of our story where the black prince who respects will based on his willingness to joust him earlier on very dramatically hides in these very cowled dark robes he's got a real like penchant for the performance of it i think unveils himself and then knights will officially in front of all of this all of these people and will's got this kind of beautiful look of like disbelief um he's obviously feeling very weak he's just been pounded on by adamar and is in the stocks so, and so he's like shaky and everything but then he's like oh now i can go finish this tournament and i love it like james purefoy is great in this film he's got this beautiful look of like disdain when people are like quite because he's like i've looked into his genealogy and he's a noble and everyone's like, we know you're making this up. And he's just like, well, I'm the prince, so Beyond my word contestation. is law. <laughs> I love that he's like, I'm just going to throw my authority around a bit. And he just like, he looks like he's enjoying it. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he very much is. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I do love the, f- I, 
I don't understand why, like, when they lift him out of the stocks, he's so weak. Like, he's literally been in the stocks for, like, it looks like less than, like, five minutes. Oh, it can't be a very comfortable position to be in. I think it's it's longer than five minutes. I think he's been there for like half an hour or so. And he was in the cell with his arms tied to the piece of wood while Adamar beat him up. You know, he's not doing too too hot at this point. Um, and then we go into our like final kind of... The climax of the movie. The final joust between Adamar and Will. And it's revealed from the off that Adamar is intending to cheat and possibly kill Will. So he's got these lances that have just got spun sugar around this sharpened point. And he does this, you know, very cinematic reveal. It's kind of an upshot looking at him with his face kind of, uh, with his very evil expression on his face. And he cracks it. Yeah. He cracks it in front of a crowd of witnesses. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not logical. There's no way that no one saw that. I mean, I know it's got to like, you know, to make the final part of it to make the kind of finale of this movie more like dramatic but it... <laughs> he's openly committing mur- he's openly committing murder he does not give a fuck someone would have seen that yeah. someone would have seen it but anyway they go into this joust adamar's um you know illegal lance stabs will will is incredibly injured he's very weak he can't even hold his lance up and he goes this very dramatic we go slow-mo he's wearing no armor his hair is flying he screams his own name for some reason William, exactly Which... like that and he unhorses adamar wins the day wins the competition triumphs over his enemy and gets the girl and then the orion uh or then the orion constellation which it is a bit is weird the orion constellation. yeah which is yeah. like Huh. We, we we fade so we've got them kind of doing their kind of final big kiss in front of a starry sky inexplicably and then yeah. the credits roll i will have to just say about this last scene though he's so weak he's like i can't lift the lance i can't grip it i have to tie it to my arm and he's like limping he's bleeding out of his side he's been stabbed but as soon as the joust is over he jumps off the horse runs over the list jumps over the fence and he's got no impediment or no problem doing he raises doing his that. fucking arms as well it's yeah, just like what the he's hell he's doing all this stuff that is yeah. just like 5 minutes ago he was insisting he couldn't do and then he you know has this very cathartic moment of being able to put Adamar in his place then he kisses the girl and it's a very satisfying ending all around yeah. very enjoyable okay overall how would you rate this film given Eight out of ten. It's one of my favorite films. I'm doing this on my personal kind of like my personal enjoyment of these films. That's kind of how I'm rating them, and I I rate this film so highly. I mean, I've pointed out a few flaws during this podcast. I mean, obviously, it's a very simplistic story. Like the costuming leaves a bit to be desired. There's some, you know, the the villains and heroes are very black and white, but I. I enjoy it so much when I watch it. Yeah. I really enjoy it. And it's, it wins a lot of brownie points for me for all of these very positive relationships that it promotes. Yeah, positive friendships, positive like family kind of ties between Will and his dad. Um, positive relationship kind of Jocelyn as a female character advocating for herself and only kind of allowing you know the relationship to really take off when he's proven himself and he's not you know being a douchebag she's like no she puts him in his place a bit she's like no you're being a douchebag i'm not going to be in a relationship with you and it's it's just an enjoyable movie i just really love it guys i really do (laughs) and what about you um i i definitely rate this overall probably a seven out of ten i really really like it i love like the story is just really wholesome really really engaging 
um, from a kind of a cinematography point of view, it's really, really good. It's, it's, it's one that like really makes like the genre really quite tangible and it kind of integrates other like, like, uh, perspectives from that are quite common in other genres, film genres into the, it's into its own and kind of makes its, its own kind of like cinematic like cinematic like fingerprint like it, it's very 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 much a all on its own and i don't i can't think of a film since then that's really been able to kind of like have this much of a identity just in it like by just in, incorporating so many other uh techniques you know it, it's it was really really good and the casting is just so so sublime like yeah. i I'm, I'm really impressed with this film yeah i and also like I think we're going to be talking about this a lot in the future, especially when we hit the kind of Avengers films and stuff. But more recent films do seem to be okay with it being like, oh, it can be a big blockbuster that is also funny. And I think this is where this trend starts. It can be a serious film. It can be a hero's journey. But it doesn't have to take itself crazy seriously. Because like around this time, we're getting films like Lord of the Rings. We're getting films like... The Matrix especially is one, like big kind of action movies. And yeah, okay, this film doesn't exactly fall into step with those, you know, it's not as huge. It's its own little kind of doing its own thing, little funny film. But those films, yeah, okay, Lord of the Rings, in the nine hours of the movie, there are a couple of jokes. The Matrix, no one even smiles at each other through the whole trilogy. Like, it, at this point, action films are like serious films. This one is like, I'm going to be an action film, but I'm also going to make you laugh. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of those kind of, like a lot of these trends that we see in bigger films later on start with films like this. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think, honestly, between us, we could go on about this film for a lot longer than, than we have already. There is, there's a lot to pull apart. There's like, I'm not saying, I've gone on about a lot of positive aspects of this film. I'm not saying it's perfect. But, you know, I enjoy it and I enjoy what it represents in kind of my life and in our relationship. It's a film that we both really love. So we're going to stop going on about it now. I hope you've enjoyed our kind of discussion about it. I've definitely had a good time getting stuck into it. Um, And we hope you'll join us next week when we'll be discussing uh, 2006's Accepted, directed by Steve Pink. Yeah, which should be a really, really, like, interesting one for us because it's it's very much you know naughty's uh kind of comedy team teen comedy it's its own very very specific drama and uh yeah so we'll get more into that next week anyway um we hope you've really enjoyed this discussion so uh thanks very much for listening bye music was potato deal by craig MacArthur. the photo used for our cover is by rodolfo clicks Audio editings by Ryan DeRoges, and this podcast was produced by Laura and Ryan DeRoges. Find us on Twitter at All's Fair Podcast, on Instagram at All's Fair and Love and Film, or email us at All's Fair and Love and Film at gmail.com.